Well, hello. Welcome to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and even though we already sort of switched over to this format a while ago, this is the first official episode with the new name and the new artwork. Thank you for all the awesome feedback on the artwork, by the way. It was made by Trevin Frame, and I'll add a link to how you can find him in the show notes, but Trevin, you're awesome, and thanks for everything, man. If you like the show, please be sure to subscribe or follow or whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on calls it. It helps me out and helps more people find the show. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, but only if you love it, because if you're going to give me a one, then go practice your flam taps or something. Today's guest is Daru Jones, and my God, I love Daru. While he definitely puts focuses on appearances, as you can see if you've ever <laughs> looked at his drum set, Daru has a certain sway to his feel that makes it impossible to sit or stand still when you hear his groove. He's a two-time Grammy award-winning player who's worked with Jack White, Gloria Gaynor, Pete Rock, Slum Village, Jamie Liddell, Talib Kweli, Dwight Yoakam, and many, many more. I'm sure you picked up on how diverse that list is, and that just goes to show how versatile Daru is as a drummer and producer. This is a great show, and I'm officially obsessed with all of Daru's choices now. So, cheers. Get what I become, beast on these beats, son. Born and bred by the beach, bonafide beach bum. Bass on the boombox, bumping like a beast song. Came here to work, I need an H1B1. All right, we're here with Daru Jones. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me, brother. <laughs> yeah. So I have to say, congratulations, man. You killed it on SNL. That was such a good performance. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. It's been, it's been a white couple of weeks, you know, with, with, all, with all the text messaging, social posting and calls it's just been a lot overwhelming but in a good way but i'm thankful i appreciate it thank you yeah so you were i mean that was a pretty last moment thing right because the guy that was going to do the country artist unfortunately did uh, went against protocol so they had called you guys which i was so much more happy to see you guys play anyways was that the first time you've played with people live since quarantine um no i actually i was flown into new york i was flown into new york um at the end of September to play Summer Stage. Are you familiar with Summer Stage? No, I'm not. So Summer Stage is an annual event they have in Central Park every year in New York. And because of COVID, you know, this time they just did like a virtual um, a, a virtual concert and I was flown yeah. in. The artist that I played with was Pete Rock. He's a legendary 90s producer. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? He's a, one of the boom bap, you know, creators. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? And sure. I'm the music director and I play in this band called the Soul Brothers and they flew me out because most of the band members there are based in New York. And myself and Mono Nia, we were the only ones that needed to transport, you know, from Tennessee to, to um, so that was just a month ago that I was flown in to do that. And, but like, as far as the TV performance, it just definitely was like one of the first like concerts or second, you know, well, for TV was the first concert that I did on that platform. Yeah. yeah. What was the process of being a musician in like during the whole COVID thing with SNL? That, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> it was crazy. It was a process because I, I never forget when I got, when I got, I said I got summons by the by the rock boss. You know, shout yes, out to yes. Jack White. I, I call him J Doves. That's, um, but yeah, it was cool. I was it was, it was crazy because I was literally on my way to the gym. You know, what I'm saying I, I don't know if the gyms are, are the gyms opened up where you at. No, unfortunately, they're not. No. Okay, they opened up in Nashville, so I literally was on my way to um to 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 to, to Planet Fitness, and I got summons, and and then I got to got to actually the video call, and um Jack told me the situation, and. It was like, only thing is we got to get COVID tests immediately. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we had to find a place that can do like a 24-hour COVID testing, 
So it was it was it was it was very intense. You know what I'm saying? We had to. It was like um, everybody that was traveling had to be tested and not test negative, which was <laughs> yeah. a stress in itself because if one person from the crew, you know what I'm saying, the management, or even in a band, it could have forfeited us even doing you know doing it doing the show. So we did we did the we did the one um, COVID test in Nashville with the swab thing that was very intense. It was very crazy to get that. Have you got? Have you been tested before with the swab? Yeah, I've been tested quite a bit because I went and saw my grandma. She was ninety four, and I wasn't gonna okay. uh, visit her without it. that. So I did the whole uh, Dodger Stadium thing. Okay. So post apocalyptic. You're just going through. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we so we did that in Nashville, right? And then when we get in New York, we had to take a COVID test every day to go into NBC Studios. You know what I'm saying? So it was one of those things where we had three chances. You know, to to take this test, and if somebody would have got, if the results would have came back negative, it would. It, who knows what would have happened? We may not have been able to do it. So that was that one thing itself was um, was a close call. But I guess with the creator, it was meant for us to do it. You know, so we did that, and actually the same night that Jack that I talked to to, um, to Jack, he was like, "Yo, we we need to start rec- uh, rehearsing immediately." So I literally had planned on going to the jam session that I go to a national that just started back. It's like the cool jam session they have at a club called Flamingo and then oh, the sure. jam is called invite and they just pretty much invite anybody to come up and, and, and play. And I was excited. I was like, okay, cool. I get a chance to, you know, get on stage and rock, you know what I'm saying? And those plans were shifted. I went to rehearse with Jack the same night. And then I followed day we got the COVID test. And then, yeah, when the results came back, we all individually were like texting each other each, each every time we got the results. So it was like, yeah, my results came back. Yeah. And so it's like, it was just a slow motion. You know, it was crazy. It was like a slow motion process. But when everybody started passing, it was like, okay, it's looking good. And then we flew on, on a private jet, you know, to, to New York, which was very cool um, to do that experience again. And yeah, it, it was, it was a really smooth, it was a really smooth process. Like once the tests went through, I just felt like the angels, the angels were with us. Like the, the flight was smooth. We flew on a private jet. And when we got there, you know, everything just went smooth. So, yep. That's awesome. And I, I saw uh, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Bill Burr. He gave you a big shout out on his. Oh, he's a Because he's a drummer as well. And I, I'm sure you got to meet him. I think I saw a picture. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. He, he, it's, it's crazy. Big, big shout out to Bill Burr. You know, I didn't even know he was a drummer. But then um, he literally talked my, now I won't say he talked my head up, but he really talked, he talked to me for a while. And also Jim Carrey spoke to me. And I didn't even know Jim was a, Jim said he was a drummer. Oh, so I didn't it was know that. crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, if, if I if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, Jim said he was a drummer and they both talked to me for a while. They was kind of geeking out over the setup, of course, and just they were just flipping like how can you how can you play that that kit, the format, you know, the setup. <laughs> yeah. And were just bugging out and it was it was it was it was really cool. Like I had no idea that I would be doing that. And yeah, it went over well. And then I wanna I wanna also thank everybody that's been been, you know, reaching out to, you know, to congratulate. I, I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'm, I'm also thank thank you for your time, Ben, for having me on your platform today. Yep. Oh, it's uh, we are we are honored, man. I I really appreciate. it. I love your drumming, and I'm I'm very excited about your choices, man, because I wanna I wanna get inside <laughs> that brain of yours. It's so awesome. So let, let, let's just hop into it, man. Okay. Your 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 first one is "Now We Are" by Marvin Winans and the Perfect Praise Choir, and it's from okay. the album "Introducing Perfect Praise." Okay, real real quick. Let me let me. I don't mean to correct you. It's now. I think it's now. Are we? It's a title. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, now are we? And this is uh, now are we? <laughs> yeah. Now are we? And um, the artist, like you said, is Marvin um, Marvin Winans. He's from a group called the Winans, which is a legendary Detroit hip hop group. They've been around forever, and um, 
yeah, he got he had a choir, and this this was this this particular track was definitely next level for for gospel music. It was one of the funkiest tracks that I heard at the time, and mm -hmm. um, the drummer's name is Mario Skeeter Skeeter Winans. I'm sure you know who Mario Winans is. He was a part of the Bad Boy, you know, Entourage. He was a producer and artist. I remember as as a kid, you know, when this album when this album came out, and it was another drummer. Um, um, actually, he's a friend of mine now. Um, his name is Dana Davis. You know, he's one of the legendary Detroit um, drummers. He played on a lot of gospel records. He was also the Winans touring drummer. You know what I'm saying? So it was crazy. Um, I think I think Mario Winans might have been an understudy with Dana. You know what I'm saying? And um, okay. so Mario is crazy. I didn't even know he was a producer or an artist until later. But he played like it was like like the rhythms that he played. It was more like a new jack. Like the new jack thing was was really popping at that time and. That type of vibe. I think one of the main um, architects was Teddy Riley, producer from New York. I'm sure you know who Teddy Riley is. He yeah. had that. It was like the New Jack swing. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was pretty much like everything was like a faster tempo um, and dance. It was like a dance type of vibe that came out. And 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 it, this was pretty much what he played. It's like a, like the New Jack swing. And it was no gospel. I it was the first time I ever heard like a gospel track that kind of had a hip hop and New Jack swing and um the, the dope thing about this track was the way that um that the drummer started off the song you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like that was a rare to give the drummer song you know what i'm saying the drummer came in with the spunky beat and y'all hear it when it comes in and, and and the beat was 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 definitely it was not your average four four time signature it was like it was like kind of like clyde stubblefield but it was but it was it was a flip but it was just so dope and this his pocket on on the on the record and the fields he was doing were just so dope. So shout out to Mario Winans, you know what I'm saying, from the Bad Boy crew and, and yeah, definitely one of my favorite drummers coming up as a kid. Yep. Let me let me play it real quick so I can uh pipe in and then uh if you have anything more to say, let's talk about it. Let's just play the first maybe like thirty seconds. Okay, okay. If you believe it, put those hands together, look at somebody and say, I'm a son. Just a can of Parker. So good, and the dynamics on that are so cool because it starts off so bombastic and then just goes Ooh. into a cross stick and just super sexy. Man, man, Skeeter assassinated <laughs> that 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 track, and it it was so dope because um, it was really cool to hear them add those extra drums on top, the sequence drums, and that's what they did. You know, during that time, Pacific producers they had the live band playing, but they would add that you know like percussions and stuff. And you know, like the 808 hi-hats and stuff, that was just revolutionary at the time. Was nobody sure. doing that? And that was that was probably like the second track, funky track, um, like that, you know, and that's what that I heard within those few those couple of years. And yeah, just just the just the swaggy beat that um Skeeter played, and, the, and he was just so clean, so clean, and, and the, even 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 the um the tuning of the drums, it was just it was just that was revolutionary. And then you started hearing people like kind of mock that 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 type of new jack in the gospel so that Absolutely. was like yeah yeah it was it was just it was next level and all all the feels that he was doing too man it, it really it went with the track like although he 
he didn't really go super flashy, but he did some like some chambers. But it, it fit it fitted within the context, which I admire. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because as you know, drummers nowadays, you know, when they get those opportunities, they just really want to go for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But the feels that he played it, it worked, it worked for that scenario. It's like more like RB, gospel, funky. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was everything that he did, man. Like I and what I like about the track too, it was so ahead of his time where you put it on today, it's not like it just came out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It, it never lost. It, it aged really good. And I, 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 every time I hear this, I get excited. That's sick, man. Yeah, no, I definitely want to check out more of more of that band. And you are correct, obviously. It is called Now Are We. Um, <laughs> my probably uh, undiagnosed dyslexia there. But uh, all right, so the next one is going to be a Distortion to Static by The Roots off the album. Do you want more? Uh, a lot of exclamations at the end of it. <laughs> Do you want more? <laughs> No sequel, so policies of equalities get abolished, demolished, distortion of the status getting polished. Urges of splurging words will just be merged together. Damn, it's quite clever. However, you never can sound alike. Lyrics don't be found alike. These troops who bees roots and so 
culture, mellow my culture, rhythmic vulture, approach ya with magnetic yo, that's ultra. I make them teeth dangle like a bangle, strangle from every angle. My lingo dingles and it dangles under kangles. Nah, them don't wanna tangle, cause roots get loose, Negroes get juiced like a mangle. To be particular, extracurricular for pleasure, measure in any weather, value more than a treasure. Baby, you say you may be, they come in the flex, now you wonder what's next. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's Questlove. Great song. Yes, yes, yes. This is I think this was the the Bruce first album if I'm not mistaken, Do You Want More? And for me, it was revolutionary for me because it was the first like my first introduction to like a live band hip hop. You know what I'm saying? So I want to shout out you know, the whole Roots crew. Shout out to Amir, Questlove, you know what I'm saying? And he's definitely one of the funkiest to ever do it on, on the hip-hop front, and he's versatile as well. But it was crazy, man, like, just hearing that record, like, hearing, like, live drums on, like, a hip-hop track. I was like, dang. And it just, I really admired the tone because even those, even um, Questlove's tone, it sounded like an MPC. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The way that they mixed it. it and then his rhythms, he just, he never glitched off. He just kind of stayed on point. I don't know if it, when he, I don't know if when they recorded the track that he just played it all the way through, or they just yeah. took the best four bars and looped it. Sure. But they had to, they had to have uh, played it all the way through because of the crash. So the, the crazy thing about this, you know, as a track further along, he only Amir only hit the crash like twice in his in the song, and and and, and it's so dope because when he hit it, it makes such a big impact on the record because like, you know, um, Black Thought he he makes a quote. And 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 it, the crash goes right on a one, and it's like, psh, even the downbeat of when he hit the crash, it's like it's not it's not even on a one. So it's like, break one. You know what I'm saying? It's like on the end. It was so dope. And he only does like one feel, like one snare drum feel in the middle. So one of my favorite tracks from that album, and it was definitely like I said, my introduction to like the live the live band. Um, in a hip hop setting, so shout out to the Roots crew. They're still growing strong. You know, you see them on on Fallon, and big yeah. ups to Amir. Definitely been in, one of my influences. You know what I'm saying? At at a specific time in my career, um, when I started being a hip hop drummer, and just fascinated just with his very simple setup, just keeping it bare bones with just a snare drum in the floor time. So that's definitely been inspiration. And I just I just found a way to, to make my own version by tilting it, and I, you know, changed my vocabulary and I started getting my own voice. But yeah, big big ups to Questlove for sure. To me, yeah, he's super inspiring in the studio for me as well because it's like he has guitar pedals on his playing. You know, he can just—they yes. all sound different. They all sound cool. Yes. Also, that pattern specifically, he's using um, the bass drum that da 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 that mm-hmm. that that three in a row yes. to get that spaced mm-hmm. out evenly and have that kind of lazy feel. That's very hard. Da 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 boom, but da yeah, to get yeah, that spaced yeah, out. Yeah. That's something that's that's something good to, to add on because yeah, like when you listen to um like Stubblefield and, and Jabo and those guys, they didn't always play everything like as far as like the volume wise, it was it's a, it was a dynamic. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It was like do-do-do. You know what I'm saying? And that's a technique within itself. That's a lot of control. You know what I'm saying? And I think um Amir, he's definitely I won't say like he's a nerd, but he definitely studies the craft and you know. Um, yeah, I, I, same with me. I, I definitely, I'm a detailed person. I try my best to, when I'm playing certain styles, if I'm playing like that vibe, you know, just those little details, man, like 
and it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference, and it's even better when you have an engineer that can definitely, um, you know, know how to mix that stuff because it's not easy. Most engineers, they, they want to always try to, like, make all of the notes be the same volume. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But that's that's our problem within itself. So, yeah, the whole package for that record in the, in the control, like you said, it's, it's definitely, it was definitely dope. Spot on. Yeah. 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 Speaking of setup, I'm sure people want me to talk about your setup. And the way you've described it is awesome. You got to look cool. You got to you gotta have a vibe. <laughs> Were there... I mean, people can look up your setup. I, I love it. It always makes me smile when I see you play. Thank you. Uh, were there specific ones that made you want to have a, have a uniqueness about it? That's a good, that's a good question. So I, I, I'm going to take it all the way back to when I first got exposed to the Modern Drummer um, magazines. You know what I'm saying? I remember, you know, my mom put me in music lessons when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. um, going into high school. And I never forget after the lessons, you know, I would go check out, you know, pay for the lessons and then... I seen that I seen those magazines at the check and I was like, yo, what's that? Then eventually I started I would get familiar with all of those drummers, like you know, the Benny Calliutas and Tony Williams and, uh, and basically the those magazines, they profile whoever the modern drummers at the time were mm -hmm. and put it most was what was the what were their identity was their drum kit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Just like when you when you put your clothes on, you know what I'm saying, you want to look a certain way if you went to fashion or just in general, you know, your 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 they say image is everything. That stuck in my head coming up. You know what I'm saying, and I never forget when I seen the drummer's profile. What I, what I, one of the things I can, I can pinpoint, like on Benny's setup, he always had a China ride to the left, left side. So that was mm. his signature thing. You know what I'm saying, and those drummers at the time they all set really low. So I just, I just kind of studied all the drummers at their profile, like Weko. They all had their setups. You know what I'm saying. So I was like, I knew that early that eventually I wanted to, you know, get an image as well and develop my own thing. But at that time. I feel like all kids do. You know, you you, you find your heroes. You want to be like them. So oh, uh, yeah, I started setting up my 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 kids like you know all the people I was listening to, and then later on, you know, like I said, one of my one of the things that I wanted to do in my career was to eventually develop develop you know my own identity. Um, when I started becoming this hip hop drummer, like in the mid two thousands, because basically like in my career I evolved. Like I started playing in church. That's like my beginnings. And then I graduated, so I started playing fusion, you know what I'm saying? And then I jumped from that, you know, I played Caribbean music for a while, and then I started becoming this hip-hop drummer. And I remember um, the culture that I came up with in the hip-hop community, they had a terminology saying, like, if you was copied off me, that was like, don't bite off me. That means don't copy off me. You know sure. what I'm saying? So that was huge in the hip-hop community. And, and, and basically, if you were caught, like, stealing or copying off somebody, you have problems. You know sure. what I'm saying? I remember back in the days, you know, as the rappers... If, if you had on the same outfit or chain or you sounded like them, you would get approached. Sure. Like you, like people would almost fight just to keep their identity, you know, the same for the drummer community. So I remember at the time, Questlove was the only really drummer that I saw playing hip hop. And I was like, dang, I don't want to just be a carbon copy of, of a man. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So that was that was one of the influences that made me want to change my setup. Because when I started playing hip hop, you don't need a lot of notes. Well, with mm -hmm. the type of hip hop that I was playing. So I downsized, I went from the regular five piece kit which everybody was using and myself, mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, um, I down, I downsized because I was playing hip hop and I just bare bones. And I was like, man, one day I woke up, I was like, man, because I play traditional grip, as y'all know, the match grip is like this. Traditional is, is a di little differently. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I had already started tilting the snare drum from traditional. Yeah. Paying tribute to the OGs, you know what I'm saying? Like Buddy Rich, Gene Krupa, being fascinated with those guys. And that was the thing. And I was, one day I woke up, I was like, man, what would happen if I, if I tilt the floor time, so it was awful looks. 
I just sure. want the I just wanted my kid to not look like like Quest Love kid. You know sure, what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to have no problems in the game. Eventually, I grew into it. You know, I set really high. I like to dominate the drum. So my challenge was trying to change my vocabulary. You know what I'm saying? To come up with my own vocabulary to play with this smaller kit, and also just to look different. And then eventually, I grew into it. And then I started expanding and growing and adding more adding more drums. Yeah. Yeah, I was always curious if if one of the reasons, and you've answered it, so maybe it's not, that you set up the way you do, that it almost makes it harder sometimes to just blaze around the kit. So you, if you want to get to the tom, it's a conscious choice that that note has to be there. Um, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a good observation. Yeah, I had to change my entire vocabulary. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because when you go from a regular five-piece kit and you're going up this way, and now because of the angles, I'm going down. You know what I'm saying? And I, re, I remodernized my kit. The past mm -hmm. two years, so the, my latest setup is even different from my original configuration in yep. 2006, where I just had to, I had the snare drum and just the floor tile tilted. But anyway, to make a long story short, yeah, I had to change my vocabulary and figure out what type of feels that would work in this type of setting, and it was cool for me. I like, I like challenging myself. So eventually, I grew into it. It wasn't an easy process because I was still playing. I had a jazz and hip hop group, which sometimes I would play those jazz feels. Mm -hmm. I had to still figure out what, what, what feels to play for that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a challenge. But so me, I like to grow and, and it was really cool and, and, and I made it work. And I'm thankful that I was able to, you know, to figure out, you know, uh, and carve a lane for myself. Um, but it's, it's still it still work. It still work because like like you said, when I hit that thing, it's a choice. And that's that's a good observation, because as drummers, when you play them, that's that's what we're doing in real time. We're making choices. Yeah. What, what we play. You know what I'm saying in in real time. Yeah. Well, your your style is inspiring because I always deal with. I definitely have a style. I'm a, more of a rock drummer, mm -hmm. and then when I sit behind a practice pad or a, you know a drum set, I'm like I should work. I should work to become a more you know jack of all trades, and then I I always have to, I fight with that mindset, and then also like no, just double down on who the hell you are. It's all good, man. Everybody, yeah. you know. Time is everything. Everybody's not called to do the same thing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? If, if, if we all go for the same thing, then it's going to get old. But, you know, it's like when you when you grow from, a like they said, from boys to men. Yeah. You know, when you when you, you do things that child, you know, that boys do when you're younger, then when you grow up and you start paying your own bills, you know what I'm saying? Then you have to start making decisions when you get your resources. You know what I'm saying? So the same thing, you know, you grow up. But some people, some people just want to be a session guy. Some people mm -hmm. just want, they want to just be the guy that can do all the chops. But just find out what you want to do and, and really go for it and stick with it. Then eventually, you know, you'll, you'll carve a lane for yourself that, that you know, depending on what you want to do. I, I was definitely inspired by like Steve Gadd, drummers like Steve Gadd that are genre bending drummers. You can put them in any situation. They mm -hmm. don't overplay. They, they get the job. They, they, do, they do just enough. But then they also have their own sauce, which yeah. is important, too. You know what I'm saying? You know, find, find your sauce and. It just depends on what type of drummer that you want to do, but that's commendable. Knowledge is power. The more that you know, the more opportunities you're going to be able to get for yourself. If you, so if you're able to switch it from this style, you can go to another style, you know, when, when the well runs dry in, in a certain genre, you're not out of work. You can just say, oh, I, I can read. I can, I can play that style. So you, you'll continuously be out of work. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Vinny, when you were talking about Modern Drummer, which, by the way, you've been on the cover of Modern Drummer. I want you know, the listeners to know that, which is a big Thank deal. You. Thank you. Um, so the next one was off of Vinny's solo record uh, titled Vinny Caliuda. And so is it two tracks? Is it called I'm Tweaked and Attack of the 20-Pound Pizza? 
I don't know why they named it that way. I don't know if it's a double name, but that's, sure. that's what they called it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, yeah let's let's drop that in, and then okay. we'll we'll go from there. Okay. How many time signatures are there? That's something 16, right? It's like 15, yeah. 16 or something. Yeah. Yo. Yo. Mm. There's so many things that's so dope about this track. Yeah. Shout out to one of my my biggest influences, Benny Caliuta. He's actually a good friend of mine. We talk on a regular basis, which is bugged out. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, like I grew up listening to this guy and idolizing him. But yeah, it's the, the crazy thing about this track was this is one of the first times. I mean, Benny has his. Benny is definitely one of the one of a versatile drummer, like like mm. a genre Benny drummer. But this is the first time I really heard him lay down a pocket, mm, so yeah. I can tell like he was coming from the hip hop background, even even within the sampling that he used. But like when you when you like when I first heard this song, at first I was just excited that he put out a solo record. I was like, Benny, where's the next one, man? We need we need we need a new one, brother. Like, sure, been, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been mad years, but the the fact when you like when you hear the song and you think it's in four four, it's like you like you like rocking to it. Yeah. And then when you go into the to the to the I mean, you know, you just like people just lose their mind. Like, can you imagine being on a dance floor? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody dancing, like, oh yeah, this is my jam. <laughs> then you go into that that I time. But this, but what's so dope about it is he's still playing pocket. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why I wanted you to continue to play it is because he added this 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 um this known beat break. You know, I forgot the artist. It was somebody that James Brown band produced, and um, it's a it's a it's a hip hop artist named um, Rob Bass that had a song called "It Takes Two. and and it was that was the same like like hip hop loop that they used. I forgot the original. Um, I think her name was Loretta, but it was James Brown's band that played it. Okay, but it was just so dope to hear Benny fuse that in his rock rock and roll hip hop type of groove that was revolutionary. Like the yeah. entire track was just so crazy, and it was still in time. It was still, in, it was still in. You could still rock out to it. It was still in pocket. So shout out to Vinny for that for that record. Yep. Do you find yourself uh, as a producer putting in stuff like that if something just feels a little stale and it's like, well, let's just for the for the reintro do something like that? Do you do you kind of pull from that sometimes? Yeah, but not on odd meters. 
you know, that's yeah. Benny's style. Like, I don't like to copy, you know what I'm saying? I, I, like, I mean, I, I may be inspired, but I haven't done anything like that. What I've done is I may have, um, when I'm playing certain things, instead of playing it in four, I may halftime it. You know what okay. I'm saying? So basically, like, Benny's playing like, dude, ta- dude. I, may, I may play the beat in halftime. So, dude, dude, back. You know what I'm saying? On on top on top of what you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Vinny's playing. So yeah, yeah. That's my own way of, of trying to flip it. And then I have my the way that I swag my drums out, like the like the glitchy type of swaggy groove. So yeah. But yeah, that that this that whole approach, that whole record is like one of my favorite albums. And it's it's timeless. Every time I hear it, it sounds like it just came out. And just Vinny's the way that the, the, the record is mixing. If you notice all the, the tracks that we planted today, I want to definitely give a shout out on the engineers because Mm. The way the way that they mix those records, like I always say, oh, you can you can have a great project, but if the mixing is not on point, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from experience because I've been on I've been on some cool records, but sometimes they don't have you know they don't have the right engineer mixing the record, and that is unfortunate because that can really make or break that song. So just the mixing and and and, and how they EQ'd everything it was just it was it was dope. Shout out to my big brother, Vinny Khalid. Yep. Yeah, there are sometimes there's a song that is objectively <laughs> bad, but I'll listen to it just because it sounds so good in my car. You know what no I mean? Doubt. So it's, it's so, I'm like, this is so bad. I hope no one's like driving by hearing what I'm listening to. But... <laughs> hey guys, we'll be right back with the show, but I wanted to talk real quick about Waves Audio. I use an endless amount of their plugins, including the vocal writer for this podcast. And for my drumming, I use the SSL channel, Abbey Road Saturator, CLA Drums for that easy, quick, polished sound, and and many, many more. We're an affiliate member, and if this show brings you any sort of value, please kick the... Please kick. (laughs) Please click the link in the show notes to make your next purchase. It supports me directly and helps keep the show going. So, all right, now back to the top five ways to make soup. Uh, speaking of, of really cool sounding records, I wanted to talk about, I mean, we did, we kind of did a shout out back when you guys were doing the contest, but you did a project called One Mic, One Drum with Bobby J from Rockaway. And there was that song, Look at What I Become. I think it's going to be the first drum beat we play coming into the uh, episode. So I, I think nice. listeners have already heard it, but just it's a boom, boom, tat, boom, boom, tat. And then at the end of his phrase, you just end with two aggressively open hi-hats on the, on the four and and a four, if I remember right. <laughs> and those kind of things, that's what I love about your playing, is it's you have that swagger like you were talking about, that kind of swung thing, and then just those two open hi-hat notes. On paper, it's like, okay, yeah, someone could play that on their second month playing drums. To, yes. but, that's, <laughs> but the fact that you did that was the coolest thing in the world. When you approach those kind of things, what's your thought process in knowing when something is so simple it's it's not cool, but also so simple that it's so effective? If that Thank makes you. sense. Thank you. I want to shout out my brother Bobby J from Rockaway. You know, he's in New York right now. Yeah, I'm really proud of this project, man, from various mm-hmm. reasons. But just to answer your question, um, I want to reference like drummers like Phil Collins. Okay. You know what I'm saying? When you hear Phil <laughs> Yeah. When you hear Phil Collins, just his his, his fills and how is it that his name is Phil Collins and then Fields? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just as Fields, somebody that don't even play drums can sing those and play them, air yep. drum. You know what I'm saying? So that's my approach, like on that record. And 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 and, and I think it's Queen. They have a song called "We Will Rock You." Oh yeah. 
that was kind of like the inspiration, trying to make a beat, like boom, boom, cat, boom, boom, cat. You know what I'm saying? And, and you would hear that when you're watching a lot of games. Like I remember in, back in the NBA, it was like a crowd participation, but it was simple. Oh, yeah. I want to make something where it can be simplistic, where people that don't even know how to play drums, they can do that. Any, like, like I don't know if you ever had students, yeah. but that seems to be what students would do. Doom, doom, black. For some reason, like when I would teach, try to teach a student, they would. That's the first beat that they would play. So that was. I just wanted to kind of make something that was elementary. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And then those feels that I did, they were like my own swag. But yeah, man, like 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 when I'm when I'm recording, um, I'm at I'm at a place because I'm a producer. The music tells me what to do. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like depends on the genre, but like the vocabulary that I built, um, some of the feels that I do is just to be consistent with, you know, like when Clyde, it's the certain drummers, they have a certain vocabulary. You may hear it on the radio. You may not even know who the artist is, but when they do those feels, you be like, I know that drummer because of that feel that he's doing. And that's yep. the type of drummer that I want to do. So my vocabulary is just, I try to be consistent with the feels that I do. And that's pretty much all I needed. Like when you listen to the hip hop producers, when they do certain things and they may add like a little break beat on feel, but it's simple, but it's elementary where anybody that don't know how to play drums can do it. So that's that's my that's kind of like my approach when I'm zoning out and making records like what I did with Bobby J. That's awesome. Yeah, because I know for myself, and I, I talked about this on a few podcasts, but whenever I lay down the first track and then I'll go listen in the control room, it's always I'm playing way too many notes. And I always, you know, and it's just players like you that just, know, you know, maturely know how to just hold back that it just immediately sounds, you know, you start moving. You can't not move when you listen to you is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Well, you know, you know, I always tell people you are what you eat. You know what I'm saying? I listen to a lot of hip hop and a lot of that. So it comes out. So obviously, if I'm listening to a lot of metal or certain things, when I get on to play hip hop, I'm going to be playing metal because that's all I hear. You sure. know what I'm saying? So I just I would say educate yourself. The more you educate yourself on on the genre and that style, it's going to come out in you automatic. You know what that's I'm saying? Great. So, you're I love that. Yeah, so it's all it's all good too. Like, be different. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to. Like when you're recording, don't don't beat yourself down. Like, let it do what it do. And and I would just say, if you can't just try to polish up, if you do decide to play too many notes, just make sure it's clean and work in that context. Yeah. And also think about what I try to think about too. Obviously, with the Bobby J Project, I was on the instrumentation, so of course I'm making all uh, filling up the space. But when you're recording and playing in a contest where it's other musicians. Mm-hmm. Don't hog it. Don't hog up the space. <laughs> like, be a team player. Like let everybody sure. get a piece of it. You know, and you know, trade off, call and respond, and see what, what you can do to enhance the record. And that's what I'm thinking when I'm recording in those situations where it's more than just me. I'm figuring out how can I make the next person sound good and be a team player and not be a, a ball hog or, sure. or a track hog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, track hog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next one is Freedom Land by Yellow Jackets from the album Greenhouse. It's the amazing Will Kennedy. So let's just listen to it and then we'll we'll talk about it.
was a sick fill. <laughs> Yo, shout out to my big brother, Will Kennedy, which is bugged out. He's one of my good friends as well. Which is Man, jeez. <laughs> yeah, we speak. We actually, we actually done a double. We've actually done a triple drum um, clinic in um, at the Casio um, drum store. I think it's in. Man, I want to say not in Milwaukee. I think it's in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, we 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 got a chance to, to do a, a clinic together and um to have my my hero like Will like he was freaking out over my kit and he also we also did a. We also did musical cheers where we played each other's kit. Oh, nice! For the performance, so it was just crazy. He just kept going on, and he, I'm just thankful. We were just blown away by my style and my approach. But I was trying to tell him, I was like, "Yo, I learned from from you, like as a kid, man. Like what I liked about the song with the Yellow Jackets, and I like all of those records that Will played on the Yellow Jacket because of, of Will's approach. Like I always talk about how Will is very unique. Like how you, like how you couldn't find the one in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out. No I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's all good. It, it was that was it was like that for me. But when you when you hear those percussions, as drummers, we always try to find where that one is. Yeah. But then when that when that song comes in, you thinking that he's going to play like uh, the beat that should go with it, but he plays the total opposite. You know what I'm saying? So that was like revolutionary for my ears because like when the track comes in, like dun, psh, dun, psh. so if, you know any any other drummer probably would just play. Dun, psh, dun, psh, they yeah. play the, but we'll play a halftime beat. So, do, 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 do. so it was just, it was like, yo, that cracked my head just to hear his approach. And Will's pocket is just so dope. And yeah. when they go into the next section, it was kind of like a Latin thing. But Will's patterns are always very unique. And that's one of the things that I study, you know, listening to him, like how to just make unique style patterns that are not really. You know, you can still rock to it, but it's it's just Will plays in between the notes. He's like an Anna drummer. You know what I'm saying? But, but it's still funky and it's still in the pocket. That quarter note is still going on a hi hat. But that shout out to Will, like he was a genius for that rhythm that he played on that record. The fills and the mixing, it's on point. So shout out to the Yellow Jackets, my brother Will Kennedy. I love that record, man. Yep. All right, number five, Paint the World by Chick Corea, Electric Band 2. So did he have two bands? Because I was trying to find the Electric Band. Or the, I was trying to find this track specifically, and it was very specific that it was Electric Band 2. Yeah, so, so yeah, for some reason, um, I think I think Chick Corea, and I don't want to speak for him, but I think that he was just transitioning. Maybe Dave Weckl got a little bit busy because his, his, his solo career is really taking off. I don't know if you know about Weckl's career, but sure, yeah. Weckl, he started putting out those solo records. And um, I really enjoyed Weckl's when he was down with, with Chick Corea and Electric Band because that was like a revolutionary band at the time too as a kid. Like hearing him playing with, with, um, with Chick was just so dope. But mm -hmm. then it was weird, man. It, it's like when you when you get a whole new band for like a, like a Chick Corea, you're nervous because it's a different it's a different lineup. So I'm like, man, I don't know if the record's going to be good because it's not working. It's not what I was used to hearing. Yeah. But it was totally the opposite. When I heard the new lineup with Gary Novak was on drums, it was, it, and for, for me, that was actually one of the first times I heard Chikoria play that type of New Jack. I don't know who wrote that song, the Paint the World song, but it was real New Jack and it was grooving. And as you noticed, the tracks that I picked today, it was, they were not really fusion tracks. They were like groove tracks. Yeah. Although the drummers may have been known to be fusion drummers, I yeah. just want to kind of highlight pocket, you know, like songs that had a pocket in. Gary Novak assassinated this project of this song, man. Like this approach, it was definitely New Jack. And even the tuning, the tuning, 
Oh, of the, his drum kit was different. It was just dope, man. He's just so funky. Let's drop it in. track to this day it sounds very 90s though it sounds very 90s like you hear that in the, like like the movie soundtracks <laughs> movies but I, I i love this record man just the way gary's approach and i think would, would you say that's a weird time signature with the wraparound because it's like it's still in 4-4 but like the whole sequence of it i think it was a little bit different it wasn't like it was a dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it might have been not six four, but like the the structure, yeah. like the loop. It was it, for me oh. that was yeah. It was it was different. Like I, like you didn't really hear records like that were funky. Yeah, as I can tell, you hear all the Clyde Subblefield and Jabo influences on that on that in the New Jack swing. But yeah, I, I love Gary Novak's. That entire record is crazy. Like every track is crazy. And like I said, when I when I first heard that Chick had a new lineup, I was nervous because it's like it wasn't Weko, but he, Gary Novak did not disappoint, and he destroyed, destroyed, and, and I just like this tuning. And that was my first time hearing Chick Corea playing like on like a, like I said like a new Jack hip hop, and he he shredded. Chick killed it, and this is a dope record. Shout out to Gary Novak. Yep. I was gonna say yeah. the uh, the open bass drum tuning on that definitely I can I can hear that in a lot of times I've heard you play. Thank um, you. Yeah, so that that that's definitely that's definitely um, inspired by like you know when I would see the James the James Brown and like Clyde and those drummers, even even back in the days, even like the, some of the Motown or certain drummers that play open, I, I, I like I just like that sound, man. Like, of course, when you when you in the studio, the engineer always want to gate. They will always want to pad down the kick drum, you yeah. know, to give it that disco, mm-hmm. which is cool. But man. I just like the sound, like when you hear those those James Brown records, man. Like, I don't know, like um, Funky Drummer, any of those records, man. That open tone just it just resonates, and that's definitely definitely influencing my and, and part of my sound as well. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It sounds it sounds great. I think it just takes up so much low end in the room that they just it definitely you have to write a different kind of song when the bass drum is that wide open. And but it's like screw it, write a different kind of song then. You know what <laughs> you know? it sounds like too? It sounds like an eight oh eight. Kick yeah, boom. You know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah, I, I, playing playing in the hip hop community, like it, 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 that to me that that's just dope. Having that extra that extra little little flavor, sure. Um, that boom, that that little the 808 vibe is dope. dope. Yeah, Gary Novak is another person that I hear all the time, and I don't, and I haven't really gone down the rabbit hole of his playing. So I'm excited. Yo, you should. Okay. Look, but but I want to tell you what to look at. Okay. Look at Gary Novak playing with Chikaria. Okay. And your head is going to be cracked. Okay. <laughs> because Gary is destroying, like, like on some Vinny 
you know, but his own, he's killing, man. Like, I, I was just like, dang. It's because, like I said, when you come to be coming behind Weckle, you got to be dope because Weckle, Weckle was already lit, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. he made it. He, I don't know why he made that choice, but it was a good choice. Yeah, if I I was asked, I mean, they would never (laughs) ask me, but to join a band that Dave Weckl was no longer available for, I'd just be like, no, thank you. No, we're paying you $9,000 a second. I'm sorry. That's great, but uh, I'm going to respectfully decline. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is going to be, even though it's Big Fat Five, this is going to be an honorable, honorable mention. So it's Holy Thursday by David Axelrod from the album Song of Innocence. Oh, my God. The great Earl Palmer. Earl Palmer, yo. And I wish we could play this whole song because this song right here has been sampled by a lot of legendary hip hop producers. I, I could highlight the segments as the song go along, but we're not going to do that today. But I, I guess you could play it. But mm-hmm. I just want to reference the, the samples you hear something by that Pete Rock have have used several times. Um, I've heard it on the Fat Joe record. Like when you hear this record, man, and, and, and just the way that um. That Mr. Palmer, man, his touch, finesse, man, was just so dope, man. It yeah. reminded me of, of of those drummers like like Jabo. Like they didn't really touch, they didn't, they barely tapped the, the kit, and they were very dynamic. But what's so dope about the song was it still had solos, but just that that boom, back, doom, doom, but but it was you could tell they were playing light. It's one of my favorite records, man. And and, and rest in peace, you know what I'm saying? Um, the, you know the, the gentleman died, but. But this is one of my favorite records for so many reasons. This whole album, it's like it sounds like a movie score because it just goes from one song. It's the same song, well, not the same song. They just put different titles, but it's still the similar, similar groove. Okay. I don't know how they did this, but it's got to hit a whole record all the way through. So many oh, yeah. samples. So all right, well, let's just let's play it.
That's so crazy. He definitely has a a little bit of a delay on his backbeat. So oh, boom, yeah. boom, tat, doom, do doom, tat. Such a good yo, pocket. Yo, and it's crazy because um, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with like Jay Dilla, JD, you know that mm-hmm. the, the sure. that passed away from Detroit. You know, as 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 one of his inspirations, where he was known by um the glitchy you know style of, of um unquantized you know on production on the drums. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But what I've heard, he would try to, he was studying drummers like, you know, Palmer, like Mr. Palmer, and that, that you know, had the human era of like sometimes falling behind the beat, you know what I'm saying? And he just made it a thing. So that's why I can appreciate this this track because there's a lot of fumbles and, and little humanly, you know, glitchy, but it just, it, to me, it, that's what made the record. It wasn't perfect. And it just like, it was just so dope, man. It just, and just the touch. Just the touch and the dynamics of this record, man. One of the best records that I ever heard in my life. Actually, it's so dope. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the five slash six. Did uh, yeah, I'll I'll let you do some little self promotion now. I mean, I, I guarantee anyone that's listening to this podcast knows who you are. But where can people find you um, if they just want to see more Daru? Okay, yes, yeah, so I'm on all the socials at at Daru Jones. That's D A R U Jones. I'm on. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and my website is Ruzik Records. That's my independent company, and that's mm-hmm. R U S I C Records, like a like a record label. And mm-hmm. um, you can go there, you can find all the all the stuff you know that I'm doing. I need to update my site with the last month's activities with the, with the SNL, but you know it's it's, it's 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 a place that you can go. And also have products out. I have a, I have a drum kit out with PDP via mm-hmm. DW Drums. It's the Double Jones in Yorker. Short for DJ and Y, that's available. Um, it's a compact kit. Also has symbols. Um, collaboration with Pisces symbols. It's the PSTX DJs 45s. They are 12 inch, small. Put them right in your backpack. Also have drumsticks by head signature. They call the um, Daru Jones Leo stick because they, they you know they, the colors are like a lion. And they sure. also match the drum kit. Um, I'm a Remo artist. Shout out to, to the Remo fam. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm um, also um also have a um a sub mic through um Solomon Solomon mics. They make like the sub the sub microphone where you can use We love Solomon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So Ben, thanks so much for having me on the on the show. I'm also a big fan of snare drum music. You know what yes. I'm saying? <laughs> we love seeing him on you. Yeah. We have yeah, we're doing some 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 fun stuff coming up. So look forward to that. Yeah, but, shout uh, out to shout out shout out to Chris and, and Ben and what y'all doing at, at you know innovating. It's, it's, it's a dope project to add some some little trinkets and some little some little sauces and effects to, you, to your kit. So shout out to what y'all doing. Yep. Yeah, we always see our little stuff on your symbols and stuff. So we always appreciate <laughs> it, including on SNL. So thank you, man. All right, Daru. Well, thank you so much, man. Have a good day. Have a good day. Thanks for having me. All right, yeah. peace. Peace. And that's the show. Be sure to check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BigFatSnareDrum. The audio you're hearing was edited in part by Isotope RX8 Audio Editor, so go check that out at isotope.com. Cheers.